This is episode 22 of the Landscape Photography Show, and you know, sometimes whenever I'm doing the podcast, I feel like it's a very selfish thing, and it's not because I have a selfish endeavor or goals attached to it or because of the questions that I ask in some of the podcasts, but it's because sometimes when I have guests on, I have like this one-on-one connection and access to them to get all of this information for photography. And and sometimes I come away learning way more than I initially thought I would going into it. And this episode is one of those. In this episode, we have Alex Noriega on the podcast. And I had a lot of questions for Alex about his approach to photography, his approach to post-processing, droning versus not droning. We talk about all those things, but I actually wound up taking notes on some of the things that I needed to do with my own photography because while he was talking, it was almost like he was talking directly to some of the things in photography that I've thought like, man, I need, I need to get a little bit better in this. I need to approach this differently. So this episode, while it's going to bring tons of value to you, also brought tons of value to me. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Alex Noriega. Alex is joining us actually from the field, I mean, just outside of Death Valley. And we've kind of been going back and forth for months about when we could actually get on and talk. Uh, I've had these questions for Alex for so long, and he's one of the first people that I wanted to get on the podcast. So it's really exciting for me to go ahead and talk to Alex and kind of get his viewpoint on this thing we all love, this landscape photography. So Alex, first of all, thank you for making time in Death Valley. And then uh, also, Maybe for those who aren't really familiar with you that much or, or kind of just finding out about you, how did you get started in photography? Oh, well, thanks for having me on, David. Um, I hope the sounds of the highway nearby aren't coming through too hard. Um, <laughs> I, I first picked up a camera uh, 10 years ago, actually. January 2010, so we're just at a decade now, and uh, it was originally just to sell things on eBay. That's why I had the camera, but I immediately started playing with all the manual settings and just getting kind of fascinated with the way light and depth of field worked, and it just snowballed from there. I mean, a couple years later, I was already moved out to the West Coast from, I was in Minnesota, and I moved out to California and then to Oregon to pursue nature photography. And here I am now it's my job and I'm very fortunate to be able to say that. We started literally the exact same month of the same year, but I feel like you're light years ahead of me in photography. (laughs) Well, I was self-employed at the time. I have been since 08. So I had a lot of free time to put into it. And I put way more time into it um, than anyone 
in their right mind would normally have to dedicate to something. You know, I was just obsessed with photography at the start and, uh, every spare hour of every day, I mean, I was going into it. So I think I got a lot more experience than you could if you were still working a nine to five and you only had the weekends to work with. So that accelerated my growth, I think. Is that kind of your personality type though? Like you find something that you can latch onto and interest you and you just have to absorb everything you know about it. Yeah, I think so. When something really grabs me, I mean, I go into it pretty hard. Um, I think I've chilled out a bit, but maybe that's just because I found something like photography that I feel very comfortable in and I don't feel like I need to spend every minute of my life doing it anymore because it's just, I'll do it, but I like a more relaxed approach than when I started. I was just going out every day, chasing every shot I possibly could. Has that change of pace, like you're, you say you're a little bit relaxed and laid back now. I feel like your style has shifted a little bit. I mean, I've been following you from the very beginning. It, it seems like for a long time, especially, and it seems like your style has shifted a little bit. Is it fair to say that? And, and how maybe has it shifted? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think when I started out, I didn't have a style. I didn't have a vision for what I wanted to do. I just enjoyed the process of making photographs and seeing the results. But eventually I got sick of that uh, lack of direction and really of the imitation because that's what I was doing for the first few years is imitating this style or that style or this artist or that artist that I was really inspired by. And eventually I just got bored. I felt like I wasn't creating anything of my own. So I started trying to do things a little differently in terms of the composition and the subject selection um, as opposed to just processing other people's compositions differently. I actually felt like the photos were my own once I started shifting and that style developed, um, I think because I started thinking smaller and I really wanted to find things that other people weren't finding or hadn't shot before at least that exact thing. When I thought smaller, then I wanted to go a little quieter. So it was less about loud processing and trying to dial it back more instead. Was it sucking for you to like sucking your creativity for you to continue copying those, those styles that you had seen when you first started? I wouldn't say that it was sucking it. It was just blocking my ability to be creative in more ways than just the processing. Cause basically if you're, if you're shooting, let's say the shot at a, at an iconic or well-trod location, um, you're not really thinking about the composition. You're just, Oh, this is the shot. Now let's see what light I get when I happen to go out there. And, uh, it's, I mean, I think you're cutting off a huge portion of the creativity or maybe the most important part of getting creatively involved in making a photo. And that is the composition and finding some unique view or subject or perspective that you haven't seen before. That's totally your own. I was definitely 
selling myself short, we'll say, on creativity, or I was um, shooting myself in the foot if being creative is what I wanted to do because I just wasn't making my own photos. I was making other people's photos and then trying to process them a little differently, playing in Photoshop, but that's not going to make the photo mine. How long does it take you now when you're in the field looking for those images that are your style versus when you started? I think that I come back empty handed a lot more now, but the key for me is to not be disappointed when that happens. I don't have expectations when I go out on a shoot. I don't expect that, okay, I'm going to get this shot and that shot, and I need at least two shots uh, for this sunset or whatever. I just go and wander, which is a technique I've probably gleaned from my friends uh, Sarah Marino and Ron Cascarosa. Uh, that's their style, and I kind of picked up that from them, and I really enjoy it. Um, it's really relaxing. I just go enjoy nature and see what I see. You know, if, if something grabs my eye, then I'll shoot. If some great light happens, then I'll shoot it, but I'm not going out there with any expectations. Was that transition difficult for you to make? Uh, no, because it just kind of happened naturally. I mean, I started shooting differently, I would say. Hmm. 2014 and 15, I started trying to find my own uh, big compositions, my own like dramatic shots, but still kind of in the style or vein of um, very dramatic artists, like say Mark Adamus, someone like that. And then I would say 2016, I really just threw all that away and started only focusing on smaller scenes and uh, finding shots that were really mine, something I could say was really mine. And uh, I think the rest of it just came naturally. When I started doing that, I started having fewer expectations because I just, you can't guarantee that you're going to go out and get a shot every time if you're looking for something new. And I also felt like, especially in 2016, um, when I won a few international competitions, I felt like the career aspect of it was coming together and I had been making my living on it for three years at that point and say what you will about competitions, but they do do something for your uh, stature when you win them. And so I felt like that was a little more solid, my career, and I didn't have to try as hard to come out with something. Every time I went out, I didn't feel the pressure to do that in order to turn it into an income. That just kind of started happening on its own. And so it all just translated into a slower approach with fewer expectations. And that ended up with a lot of unexpected images that, you know, I, I really can't guess what I'm going to come back with anymore anytime I go out. Even if I have a preconceived image in mind, I usually. I'm not able to execute it, but I'll come up with something else when I see it. That, that transition you just described, do you feel like that's kind of a natural progression that photographers take? I don't know if it's a natural progression in that, I mean, that would imply that that's 
further along than my initial approach, mm-hmm. that it's better in some way. And it's really just what I prefer. It's, I feel like every time I come on a podcast and I talk about this sort of stuff, I'll get some comments um, about how I'm telling people how to shoot and I'm coming down on shooting icons or whatever. It's really, people can do what they like. I'm only describing my approach because I'm asked about it. And uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's a natural progression unless your goals are similar to mine. And what my goal is, is to relax in life. Like all of this is, is, uh, what I do because I love making photos. I want to do what I love. I'm not interested in money. Otherwise I could be working with computers or something far more lucrative than photography. Um, I just want to relax, you know, I want to enjoy my life. And so my entire setup, including my career, including my photos, everything is is revolving around that, just kind of chilling and letting the photos come as they do. And I've been fortunate enough to turn that into a career, even without trying or being as ambitious as I could. Has there been something in your life, maybe in values or, or financial beliefs that kind of allowed you to do this full time? Well, I was already self-employed, as I said, when I started photography. And at that point, I was not going to go back to working for someone else or working a nine-to-five. But I didn't like the work I was doing. It was with computers. I mean, I'm good at them, but I just I find it kind of soul-sucking to remove viruses and set up networks and all that. I understand how it works. I just am not inspired by it. And when I found something that I was inspired by in photography, that kind of motivated me to turn that into my mode of income so that I didn't have to do anything that I don't like. Like I like teaching. I like making photos. I like setting up photos for print and working on the details of a file. I mean, that's basically my job. So I don't have to do anything I don't like. (laughs) And that's really how my whole life is set up. It's very millennial of you. Yeah, I suppose so. But the internet has really... um, enabled that and people before the internet previous generations didn't have access to this level of audience Um, I mean I would have had to start a gallery if I was 20 years older and like rent a space and make a name in a certain town and nowadays you can just reach the world on the internet and you can sell digital goods and you can sell prints online and can find people to teach online I mean I feel like it's a lot easier while at the same time probably being more difficult because it's so saturated. For those who say like you can't do full-time photography, would you tell them that it's the most opportunistic time right now with the internet and everything you just described? I would say that it's probably harder now than it was when I started 10 years ago because it's so saturated and cameras have gotten so much better. So, so many people are able to make competent or technically competent images. Like there are just a lot more images out there and there's a lot more learning materials out there on how to achieve certain styles and certain looks. So 
a lot of images or a lot of styles, a lot of great artists are being copied and replicated. And so it's flooding the market as far as I can see with just a whole lot of content. And it's harder to stand out when there's more good content out there. Good being completely subjective, but um, I still think it's a good time because if you are able to carve out your niche, if you're able to do something in your way, people will recognize it, I think, and they'll want to learn how to do it. At least that's how it's worked out for me. Has there been something that you use to stand out? I don't know that I could specifically point to one thing, but I do... I do have kind of a, if there's one overarching thing, it's probably that I really love old school photography. Like guys like uh, William Neal, guys like Hans Strand, um, just these masters, they've been at it for three, four decades. And they have, like they started on film, they have a much quieter and more elegant approach, I think, because they started in a time when we didn't have like excessive Photoshop, not that I mind that. And, uh, just all these materials available online and the internet and all this information, they kind of had to make their own way and they were learning from the masters before them. So that style, like I greatly respect it. And I try to build in that sort of thinking in my work. Like I'm really, really hard on myself about composition. I really want every composition to be completely solid. I'm not willing to just put out an image because the light was good or the color was good. Like the composition has to be uh, really great foundational stuff like that. And I think I'm blending that with some modern techniques. Like I'm using processing more liberally than most of these people that I look up to probably would but I'm trying to keep a natural result and keep it balanced. So I would say it's like the blend of the contemporary and the classic that I'm trying to achieve. And maybe that's what I have to stand out. I'm not really sure. How many images are you tossing away? Cause the composition isn't as dialed in as you want it to be. Well, I could take a look in Lightroom here just for this year. Uh, this year I've released 48 images. And I just finished, or this year being 2019, um, I put out 48 shots. And if we wait for this to load, just a sec. I want to say I probably have another 100 that I didn't go with. Yeah, something like that. So, and that's just the shots that caught my eye. Like, say I come out with 150 shots in a year that are decent like they could be releasable then out of that yeah i guess i go down to about a third of that maybe 50 and so i'm tossing away 100 potentially releasable shots but i just don't like something about them and i've been thinking that i actually have a pretty decent collection of b-sides going from the last few years now so i might release a collection of b-sides at some point if i ever get around to processing them but yeah i'm, I'm very uh, stringent on my curation, my self curation. I'm very hard on myself. So I'm throwing away a lot of photos that other people have told me they would love to have. I love that you call them B sides. 
Yeah, I think of it kind of like album releases. You know, when you're coming out with a collection, it's like an album, and you might have your singles. Like, those are the very popular, hard-hitting shots that everyone loves or whatever. And then you've got some deeper cuts that they work well on the album as a whole, but you don't necessarily want to put that one out on its own and start pushing it everywhere because maybe it's not 100% strong, but you like it. Um, and then the B-sides or C-sides, they're just like, they didn't make the initial cut, but if someone's a fan, maybe they'd like to hear the B-sides anyway, anything that this person created. So, Okay, is it possible to relate your images like an A-side, B-side to an album release? Like what what music is it correlating with? <laughs> I don't know about that. I like so much different music, I couldn't possibly draw a comparison there. And if I did, I'd be comparing myself to a way better artist, like an actual, <laughs> like a successful musician. So <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm not full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, was, I wasn't going to go like classic rock or anything, like old vinyls. Uh, I don't know. You couldn't even go like classic b-sides like anything from the beatles anything like that i don't want to even say the beatles people will just be like alex norega thinks he's the beatles of photography <laughs> <laughs> i do not <laughs> that's the title of this podcast right there oh wow that's great <laughs> hey guys i just want to pause real quick to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast and that sponsor is visual wilderness visualwilderness.com has tons of resources for you as a landscape photographer. Everybody listening loves landscape photography. They love nature photography. Visual Wilderness has articles, topics, and courses on how you can improve your outdoor photography, whether that's from wildlife to landscapes, stills versus abstracts, anything you wanna learn. I'm a contributor on that site. And for a limited time, all of my courses on visualwilderness.com are going to be 33% off if you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. Those courses are going to bring you value and how you can improve your post-processing on different topics in landscape photography. So go to today's show notes. You can find those at davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast slash Alex. Um, we, you just mentioned you went through your, your Lightroom to see some of the images that, that you've actually put out. Um, and you mentioned post-processing a second ago. I, I kind of wanted to ask you what is like your sweet spot or how do you see or vi visualize the sweet spot when you are post-processing, post-processing an image versus like a lot of people, I feel like when they're starting out are intimidated by that process like at first maybe they push it all the way then it's too far maybe they get ridiculed a little bit on the socials and then they dial that back down and they're they're kind of intimidated by pushing it to that sweet spot how do you find that in your photography <sighs> that's tough um if you're not sure on whether you've gone too far I think the number one thing you can do is come back to it with fresh eyes and not try to do it all in one sitting. You have to give it time 
like sometimes like a week later, even though I've been looking at an image every day, I've had it like 99% done and I just kind of look at it every day and see, maybe I should do this to it. Okay, maybe not. Um, maybe sometimes like a week later, I will be like, what the hell was I thinking? This is way overdone or like this totally needs work here. Like, I can't believe I didn't see that before. I just think you need fresh eyes in order to even see stuff like that. So, I mean, you just get so used to looking at what you're seeing when you work on a photo for a couple hours. It's, uh, it's beneficial to come back with fresh eyes. Also, I really don't mind comparing to work that I really love just in terms of tonality and color. Like if there's, someone that just really has it dialed in and you really like their style of processing you could just go take a look and be like am i anywhere in this ballpark like of am i just way overdone there is no right and wrong but you can compare to work that you already know that you enjoy and that is well done um and also i just want it to be believable like you can run it by people that aren't as into photography and see if they comment on the processing or the color in a way that makes it seem like it's unbelievable. Um, I really want the final result to be believable. And so I've kind of stopped with going too hard in Photoshop or compositing or anything like that. Not that I ever did that much of that, but I'm really working with single exposures now and just trying to emphasize what was already there. Like I might play up the light quite a bit, but that light was there in the first place, probably in one exposure. So I'm not taking it too far anymore, partly out of laziness, I think. I really don't want to sit on the computer for hours making this composited masterpiece. I'd rather just work with the easier shots, despite the fact that I teach advanced Photoshop techniques for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't necessarily want to spend my time doing that unless the shot really calls for it. Like it's a really great final result I can envision. But yeah, it's kind of hard to dial stuff in, you know, you just got to keep coming back to it and take inspiration from everywhere on, on, on whatever your sources are for trusted, uh, taste really, whoever you find tasteful, you could take a look at their work and try to think like, what would they think of this? Or if you have a dialed in, sense of taste then you really just need to look at it with your own fresh eyes and I actually compare it to my own work from previous years a lot of the time just like this is kind of a similar subject similar light look at this shot that I've liked for a couple years is this one like too far is it not enough so that probably helps with the consistency in my work a little bit do you ever get fresh eyes from other photographers oh yeah my friends I have a few people that I look to for critique. I don't really I don't really put myself out there for a lot of critique anymore because I feel like my cuz you're the Beatles, I, I, man. Well, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Not that I'm beyond reproach, but that I know what I want to do and so no one knows that better than I do. Like other people might see some distracting thing or like something that I missed, but they're not going to make me change the whole shot. I'm going to like it or I'm going to not like it based on just my own preferences. And that's just going to come with time, which is part of why a lot of my releases are delayed now by a few months because I really need to mull over whether I like the images or not. 
Um, I do still send them to a few friends. Um, you know, TJ Thorne, I, I talk mm -hmm. to him all the time, like probably every day and we bounce our shots off each other. Uh, Ron and Sarah that I mentioned earlier, sometimes they take a look at my shots. Um, that's, I mean, I don't send it to a lot of people or put it online for critique because, um, I just don't want to waste people's time. Like they give me a whole bunch of feedback and what they would do differently. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that differently. So I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> so I, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I'm pretty confident in my own taste. I'm just not confident in my snap judgment. Like I need to come back over and over, over a period of time to know whether something's actually good or whether I actually like it. Cause I am susceptible to being excited about a new shot because it's new and not really seeing it objectively. I think just the best way to work on that is to be patient and see how your feelings about it develop. I think that's a natural emotion to feel about a new image too, though. Yeah, it is. I think, it's totally natural to be excited about something new that you've made, but that doesn't mean it's good. It might be just something about it that you really like that you haven't done before, but maybe it's not executed properly or it could be a lot better. Um, that stuff takes time. Was that a trial by error process for you? Oh yeah. I used to post shots right away when I was uh, first done with them. And I feel like that resulted in a lot of, shame and deletion i'm like man i hate this like two days later i just i have to delete it i can't have anyone looking at this with my name on it so i uh i feel like i'm a lot more confident when i put out a set of photos now that that's how i want it and those are the photos that i want to show because i've given them so much time to marinate um yeah now we've talked about your style uh i was going through some of your galleries before we jumped on and uh, noticed that you were using drones. Um, finding out you don't use drones anymore. Where did that happen and why don't you use them anymore? Well, I should preface it by saying that I do love the results of drone photography. I think there's just an infinite world that's unexplored out there of aerial photos. And, uh, you can always come up with something new really easily, I think, if you take your drone out in a really interesting area geologically. And the problems with them are many for me. Um, like I said, I like a really relaxed approach, and drones are on a short battery. You get maybe 25 minutes of flight time, and you have to fly to your composition and fly back from it. Uh, you probably have to use a battery or two just scouting out the composition. It's really just a hectic shooting process. Like by the time you fly out there, you might have 10 or 15 minutes to shoot and then you have to come back. And so I really don't like feeling rushed when I'm working. Um, if the light is ephemeral, if it's going to be gone in 30 seconds, then yeah, I'll work fast. But I'm not always happy with my results in those situations because I really like to think about my compositions. With the drones, you can kind of plan them out ahead of time, but still the shooting process is hectic and I really don't enjoy it. Um, once I got over the fun of flying a drone and how cool it is to see the earth from above on a little screen, like I still didn't enjoy it. 
I didn't feel that connected to it. Like when I'm looking through a viewfinder and I'm in the landscape, I feel like I'm there and I'm connecting with what I'm shooting. And with a drone, I just feel like I'm playing a video game, which essentially I am. Um, so there's that aspect of it. And then the files aren't that great. I mean, nowadays I'm sure they're better than a few years ago when I was doing it. I think I sold mine in 2017. Um, but it's still, I really like a good file. So, I mean, the color on those gets really weird sometimes. The resolution is not great. Um, that's a minor thing, though. Uh, probably the main thing is that they're really annoying. Like, they annoy me. They annoy other people. I don't want to annoy other people. You can't use them in national parks, and I wouldn't dare do that. So you're limited to these areas out in the middle of nowhere. And if someone were to be out there, like having a wilderness experience, I would hate to think that I'm ruining that for them uh, just because I want a drone shot. That's not to say that people who use drones are selfish or anything, but I felt that way. Like I wouldn't want a drone buzzing around me. So I really made sure to only use it when no one else could possibly be around. But even then, I just, I don't like disturbing things. I like to be quiet and, uh, very slow when I shoot. So they're just not my style, really. But I did make a bunch of photos that I felt were unique at the time and hadn't been done before. Some of them have been copied ad nauseum, and I'm happy about that. I'm happy that that seems to have inspired some people to get out with their own drones. I just hope that they're using them responsibly. Was it worth the purchase of the drone? Oh, yeah. And I sold it. Um, I sold it to Eric Bennett, actually, another friend of mine. And uh, he crashed it into the ocean over Iceland. So. <laughs> I guess he doesn't know how to fly. I don't know if he listens to this. Sorry, buddy. Sorry to throw you under the bus like that. Um, yeah, it was worth the purchase for sure. I got a bunch of images. Actually, one of them, uh, Mother Brain, was one of the four that won me international landscape photographer of the year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was worth it right there. It paid for itself. And, uh, I didn't lose that much in the buying and selling. It was definitely worth the experience and I'm glad I have the photos. I just don't really want to be doing that all the time. And now I live with my girlfriend on the road and she hates drones. So that's another incentive not to go there. What do those titles mean to you? You throw out titles like International Landscape Photographer of the Year. Um, it means that I paid like a hundred bucks to enter my photos and I made however many thousands. I mean, I saw it as a business decision. I was like, these photos might have a chance. They're decent. So this is like a pretty good chance lottery ticket. And I hate, I know I said earlier that I, I'm not about money. What I am about is freedom and winning competitions like that, especially the three of them that I won in that year. I mean, that's like half a year's income just for free, almost. I mean, all I had to do was enter my photos, pay a small entry fee. And so that gave me a whole lot of freedom. Like I ended up buying my truck with it, which I now use to tow my home. And uh, I spent a lot of time traveling where I didn't have to even focus on making money because I had this kind of nest egg. So I saw it that way. And then from a business perspective, it just happened to be very helpful. I think it somewhat raised my stature in the community. Not that that was why I entered, but it has helped me um, 
continue doing this as a career with a lower amount of effort and ambition put in on my part. And by that, I mean, I'm not always working. I'm not always thinking about working. I just kind of have this passive income because people want to learn what I am doing in Photoshop and my thoughts on composition and everything else I include in my tutorial videos. Um, people just come, you know, like I think the competitions helped with that. I think they helped my following grow a little bit. I think they gave me some credibility, however right or wrong you think that is. Uh, so it was a good thing, you know, it, I'm not, I don't think I'm the best photographer in the world. I don't think I even deserved it that year necessarily. I'm sure there were other people that were better photographers, but I did happen to get it. So that was nice. <laughs> Does it give you more confidence? Uh, no, not really. I My confidence in my work is solely based on how good I think it is. And I'm very critical of it. And I think there are so many people that are so much better than I am at what I do. It's, But I'm lucky that I have a following that enjoy what I see and enjoy what I do. And I'm actually thinking a little more lately about how people perceive my photos versus how I perceive them. Like I may be very hard on myself for one reason or another, but I've also been staring at the photos for months. Like I said, I let them marinate and maybe like I am not seeing it the way that they see it because they're getting a fresh viewing experience. They weren't there to shoot the photo. They don't know anything about it. It's like brand new to them. So it may feel awesome for them to view it. And I just like am nitpicking this one little thing that I hate or I know how it was made. So it holds less mystery or less of an aura for me. And I think I need to consider that maybe other people will enjoy the photos more than I do. It almost seems like you have a balance of emotional connection to your images where at first you have that excitement, but then you have an approach that's very standoffish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am excited about a lot of the photos when I make them and then I just start looking at them and I find so many things to dislike. And the only ones that I release are the ones that I can still stand after that amount of time, after a few months. Um, I don't know if you want to call that balance. Maybe I'm <laughs> too critical. Uh, what is balance though? I mean, who really decides that? Is it really even important? I mean, if someone's excited about their photos, it doesn't even matter if they're good. It doesn't matter if there's something wrong with them. It matters that they're excited about them. So um, it really depends on what you're doing it for, why you're doing the photography. I just do the photos that I want to do. I do what I like to do. I don't you know, shoot on assignment. I don't have to shoot for someone else. And it just so happens that I've had an audience that's been into that from the start, regardless of what I've been doing. And... I think if you were trying to say sell prints, like you might need to think about a certain kind of photo that people want on their wall, a certain style. Um, Cause what's super interesting to an artist or a photographer may not be what people want on their walls, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it's just what your goals are about. If you're just trying to enjoy photography, then don't even worry about 
whether the photo is good or whether someone likes it. Worry about whether you like it. Now, for me, I do have to consider somewhat whether it's good because I want to continue this as a career because I want to have freedom in my life. And this is like the most freedom I could possibly have just living out here and making a living from photography and teaching other people. So I have to consider those things, but I'm still not shooting anything different than I would have otherwise. What's your approach to social media? Right now it's very irresponsible, I would say, in that I have not <laughs> posted for quite a while. Like if I looked at my Instagram, I don't know when that last post was. But it's because I've been sitting on these new images for so long and I've been so busy with life. Um, let's see, the last one was December 3rd, so it's been a month and a half. I don't think that's good. I think I should probably be posting a little more often than that. Um, I My approach right now is just posting when I have new photos or when I have something to share. And part of that is because uh, I've started living on the road full time with my girlfriend and our travel trailer. And we just don't have great internet a lot of the time. Like sometimes I can't even load a photo. Like all I can do is send and receive texts. And that's been nice. Like I feel less pressure to engage in social media, but it's also probably a little irresponsible because I should be engaging more if, um, I want my business to be doing as well as it could. And if I want to keep people engaged with my photos, I don't think social media is that important until you start considering, uh, the career aspect. Like, do you want people to see your new work? Do you want to make money off your new work? Then you do need people to be seeing it. And social media is one of the best ways to do that. Um, so I, I really should be posting more and engaging more, but I'm, I'm really not right now. <laughs> so you see it more as mm, business E rather than outlet. Yeah. Well, I would say it's a little bit of an outlet, like seeing people's reaction to the photos and seeing that people love them or whatever. Like I enjoy that. Who doesn't? And I'm not making photos just to put them on my hard drive and have them never be seen. Like I want people to see them. Um, I think there's some, this is a bit of a tangent, but there's, there's some sort of thought out there that maybe the, the right way to look at it is that if there was no social media, if there was no sharing your photos, you'd still do it exactly the same. Like that's the right mentality to have. I disagree a little bit because I'm not making them entirely for myself. Like I do love the process. I love making the photos, but I don't want them to just sit on my computer and never be seen after that. I want people to see them. So, um, I do see it a little bit as an outlet in that regard. Like I, I like getting the photos out there, but I do also see it more as like a necessary evil for business. Like I, don't want to be sitting on social media all the time aside from keeping up with a few close friends. Um, that's probably my most valued part of it really, aside from the fact that it does drive my business and thus my freedom in life, uh, is just the few people that are my friends or that I really look up to, uh, photographically or artistically when they see my work and appreciate it. Like that's, that's a good amount of validation, much more so than, than a competition win 
or like a huge like number or going viral or anything like that. It's really just when those select people whose opinions I really care about see my photos and like them, that that's nice. So that's um, one nice thing about social media is just keeping in touch. But I do see it mostly as a business thing. Like, okay, I should be posting today because I have this new video that I want to promote or I just... just uh, just came up with this workshop that we need to fill or something like that. Um, or I have new photos and I want people to see them. But aside from those situations, like a lot of people make a point to post every day and I'm sure that I'd have a lot more followers if I did that. I just, I'm not even thinking about doing that so much anymore. <laughs> it's exhausting though. Posting every day, getting yeah. something ready to go out. Yeah. And I have a bunch of new work I just finished so I can, do that again but then i'm like well i haven't posted in a month and a half so do i want to come back with something weak like i want something strong so which photo is the strongest to come back with and then which day is it going to be seen the most because there's always a spike when you come back from a hiatus and then uh it kind of falls back down to normal numbers so i would like that to be like i would like it to have a little more impact just from a business perspective i want more people going to my site and deciding to learn from me, stuff like that. Why should someone decide to learn from you? Um, if they want my particular perspective on how I make photos and on photography and how I see, because I think you can learn technique from anywhere. Uh, most techniques are not completely unique. Um, I do have like a unique blend that I use in post-processing, but really if someone wants to learn how to see how I see because they really like my style or my approach to photography. I think that's the number one reason to choose me over someone else. And I think that's why people come to me or to anyone really. Like, I don't think people are coming to me because I'm the best person in the world to teach you how to use a camera. You know, like everyone does that. There's so many people that can do that. So why would they choose me? Because my photos speak to them in a certain way and they want to know how to do it. What besides from freedom, you've talked about freedom and, and just being able to do what you do live life. Um, what is living on the road full time going to give you aside from that? I think it gives me perspective in life. You know, it's easy to get into uh, kind of a city routine where you've got to manage this on the internet and do this with your bills and this with your house and go to work and do this with your car and like the rush hours at this time. And it's just, you get so caught up in, in these normal routines of everyday society that you don't feel that freedom that you get when you're out in a natural place, out in the wide open, out in nature. Like, I just feel like my life is simpler and uh, it gives me perspective on what's important. And I mean, it really, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. So no going back. No, no, I don't plan on going back at least not until I'm 40. I'm 33 right now. So I want to, wait until the next decade to start thinking about settling down anywhere. 
All right. Well, he's Alex Noriega. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, talking with us from definitely one of my places to shoot, Death Valley. Yeah, no problem.